Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Running Four Big Groups, written by James Young, originally published on 10-Foot Polemic at 10footpolemic.blogspot.com. Running for Big Groups Since early 2015, I've been running for big groups more or less constantly. We usually hover around 7 to 10 players per session. This is great, since I've never run into problems with not enough people showing up, a holdover worry from the shaky early days, but difficult to manage if you're not used to it. So here are some tips. Running the game. Tell them to speak up. Possibly the most important, and something I learned from Courtney when I was in one of his big hangout games. Make sure you stress that a big group is okay, but you need people to speak up if they want to do something. Players want to be involved, so let them help you. With this many players, it's not worthwhile to concern yourself with how much spotlight time people are getting. It's going to have to be up to them to seize the spotlight, and up to the group to give them that spotlight if they're not a natural spotlight grabber. Just keep an eye out for people who seem like they're about to say something, but get interrupted by a louder voice. A quick, hold that thought is usually all you need so you can circle back around to them. Be lenient. Alex Chalk states this well in his recent Maze Rats House Rule Guidelines, interpret play actions in good faith. In a large group, it's very possible that someone at the table misheard or wasn't concentrating on something that happened way over on the other side of the table. Dumb gotcha stuff isn't usually fun, and being in bigger groups makes it worse. I find it useful to get other players to describe what's going on for me because it's not uncommon for me to discover that the whole group's imagining something completely different to what I had in my head. Usually a simple, so you're doing X, do you realize that Y, is enough to realign understandings. Embrace the chaos. There is going to be a lot going on, and sometimes things will happen that just screw everything up. Spells will go awry, somebody will shoot into melee and hit a friend, a crit or fumble, fairly common when you've got up to 10 people rolling attacks, will completely fuck you over. And all those random abilities and bits and pieces any normal party picks up over time will turn up at the worst possible time. Embrace it. If something crazy happens, it's usually a good idea to take stock at the end of the round or other convenient breakpoint. Give a little summary of the current situation. This is so you can get a handle on what's going on so the players can work out how this changes their plans, and so the guy at the end of the table who missed it can enjoy the spectacle of dad-faced eel that is wriggling its way from the wizard's throat even now. Split the party. If it gets too big, split the party. This is classic bad advice, but it works with big groups. Make the two groups change seats to sit together to help with attention switching. Easiest in sprawling Megan dungeons, because they've got splitting paths in which you can run two parties more easily. But we've also had geographically displaced mini-parties before, with one group in a dungeon and another traveling in the overworld. This gets chronologically messy when the groups are traveling on different timescales, but whatever. If you haven't run a split party before, the main trick is this. Get one group into a decision point where they can discuss what to do next, then switch to the other. Group initiative. 
It's really easy to get bogged down in combat with a big group. Group initiative solves this little problem by meaning anyone can go at any time during the player's round. I'll generally sweep around in a circle from one side to the other and come back to anyone who's still deciding what to do. Also with a big group, it's okay to be a bit heavy-handed with exactly how much a person is allowed to do in a round. In a smaller group, I'll tend to let several smaller actions slide. In a large group, it's going to be a round to grab that potion and a round to drink it. The party has tons of actions at their disposal, so it's okay to leech them away when you can. Just make sure you're not devaluing actions that are more interesting than I attack. If someone wants to drink a potion and attack in the same round, I'll probably ask for a gambit. Party rolls. Something else I've been trying recently that's been well received is to use a variation on John Bell's party rolls. They work well. It keeps people engaged because they're still keeping track of what's going on, and it also takes off some of the DM overhead. Party rolls in my game, in general order of priority, are as follows. Remembrancer. Records what's happening so I can do recaps more easily. Caller. Announces what the group as a whole is doing. This is even more important in a split party situation. You want a caller per group, so when you switch back to them, there's someone to tell you this is what we're doing next. Mapper. Drawing the maps. A classic role. Treasurer. Keeps track of party loot. Quartermaster. Keeping an eye on consumables, weapon breakage, and encumbrance. Guard. Organizing marching order and initiative and rolling for random encounters. Tracker. Tracking party HP, spells remaining, and special conditions. I'm giving 100 bonus experience to anyone who takes on a roll as an extra bonus. Game to run. Run a sandbox. Sandbox gameplay is important for big groups. Your plot-based campaign can and will fall down when a plot-centric player drops out without warning or someone leaves who is the only one who really cared about recovering the nega gems of the Boom King. A sandbox means the game is much more resilient to change. With so many people in your group, there's no doubt that at least one person will have a goal, and player set goals are the key to running a good sandbox. Also, make sure you've got a rumor table to drive player goal setting. This isn't specific to large groups, it's just real important. You're the car, the players are the driver, the rumors are the fuel. No session zero. Having an assumption setting session zero is good advice for lots of games, but bad advice for big groups. Session zero is a lot of time spent not playing the actual game, and a lot of time for a bunch of people in a group to get bored. Play with whoever's there. It's impossible to run for a big group if you're expecting everyone to be there every session. It's a good tip anyway, but having a sort of West Marches philosophy of we can play with whoever shows up is absolutely critical. Gameplay is more important than narrative continuity. I've seen groups where a single player being off that night means the people who show up do some little one-shot or side quest or something. If you do that with a big group, you'll never play at all. The most important person at the table is, of course, you. It can't go ahead without you there, so be committed. Even if you feel a bit shit that day, drag yourself to that place. Abandoned game balance. Are you hoping to have at least some semblance of combat balance in your game? Good luck, buddy. Maybe you'll have 10 players. 
Maybe you'll have four show up due to everyone else being on a holiday or something. You can't plan around player numbers, and with larger groups, your players will have way more raw firepower than ordinarily available to a party. Modules will be skewed, monsters will fall before the laws of averages, and something that would kill your average group of adventurers will only slay half of them because the rest couldn't fit in the trap room. Luckily, there is a natural balancing system inherent to old-school XP for loot. The players are safer and more powerful than the average party, but they're getting the same amount of loot and sharing the same experience out amongst a larger group. They'll need to go to some real dangerous places if they want to level up as fast as a normal party. Hardcore mode. Apparently, I am more hardcore than I realize, since it's not as common as I imagined to enforce new characters come back as level 1 policy. This does a few things to the game. Death is actually scary, just a generally nice thing to have in D&D. Attendance is rewarded. If everyone levels up together, isn't it unfair to the guy who turns up every single week? Sure, they're there because they enjoy the game itself, but it's nice to have that translate into an actual in-game advantage. High level is a high score. It's a mark of pride. Getting to level 7, the highest level anyone ever attained in like 3 years of game, is a big fucking deal, and you feel massively powerful compared to any new players and characters that show up. Increases campaign longevity. If people are occasionally dying and working their way back up the ladder, it keeps play from straying too far from the grotty lower level stuff I like running. This thing could go forever. There's no distant endgame where the players are arbitrarily powerful and have to fight gods to find a fair fight. On that last point, it might seem that the massive setback of losing a higher level character and coming back as a level 1 wooby would be a constant slam on the brakes for a party's capabilities as a whole. Yet somehow the power of the party as a whole is always increasing. Characters may die, but the party remains. Play somewhere that's not someone's house, if at all possible. I'm lucky enough to run my game at a pub, which is ideal. Access to food and drink, fairly central, room enough for everybody, staff to clear up the mess. Plus, it's hard to get ten people sitting around a table in a flat in London, and a bit of a dick move to your housemates who have to deal with a swarm of people showing up all at once queuing for the toilet. And it'll be difficult for at least some of your players to get home, because the vagaries of fate ensure that at least one or two people will live right across the other side of the city. These are pretty London-specific problems, though. And finally, enjoy your good luck. There are heaps of people who can't manage to get together even a small group of players. Obviously, you're running a pretty good game if all these people keep coming back week after week. You can do it. I believe in you. This was a reading of Running for Big Groups, read by Morevan B. Blogs on Tape is a project that works with authors to make audio recordings of the best works in the OSR, hopefully making them more accessible to everyone. Thank you for listening.